Welcome to the Win Daily Podcast. It is Sunday. It is August 4th. I am Jason Mizrahi, and I got Mark Paquette with me. How are you doing, Mark? I'm well this morning. How are you doing, Jason? Chilling, chilling. So we got a, a nice little slate here. I got some top-end pitching. We got you know, a, yeah. a good amount of games to stack here as well. So let's see what we got going on in, the, in this first game. We got Toronto and Baltimore. Um, we got two guys lining up that are stackable against. These are not pitchers that you want to target in your DFS games, whether you're playing on FanDuel or on DraftKings. These are teams you want to stack against. And, Mark, we've been doing these podcasts together for about four months, and I know you've been riding this Vladimir Guerrero bandwagon from the inception of him coming up. And it got off to a rocky start, and I kind of came off the train. But I'll be honest with you, kid. I know the kid was a stud. But after the All-Star break, he's pretty much been a lock button. Um, guys on fire, guys been hitting, and now he's got some people around him. I know you've written about, you know, Toronto as a stack. I think they are definitely in play on Sunday afternoon. And Bichette, Biggio, Guerrero is probably where I want to start. The only tough decision I have, you know, on FanDuel is who do you play at shortstop? Do you like Galvis for 3000 or Bichette at 3500 Do you got an opinion on that? Yeah, that's a good point. And one thing is, yesterday we saw Biggio not in the lineup and, and Galvis was. So a lot of times the lineups will make that decision for you. Um, we know that uh, they can play multiple positions. Galvis is sort of all over the infield, uh, while Bichette's more the shortstop. But hopefully the Toronto manager, and I forgot his name, uh, will just make that decision for you and you don't have to. But you're very correct. I, I like all those guys today. Uh, Vigio was not in the lineup yesterday, like I said, so he'll almost surely be in there. And generally, when the three kids have been in there, they've been batting them one, two, and three. So, yeah, you really can't go wrong with that. But if you want to be different, look at some other guys. Jansen, the catcher, has been hitting. Smoke's been hitting. Um, all good plays. Yeah, I think you can get Smoke in there. Um Yaka Bonus is someone you definitely want to attack. Baltimore is a, is a hitter's park. I think, you know, coming into this first game that we're talking about, I can easily see Toronto being one of my favorite stacks, you know, of the slate. I wrote, you know, a lot of them up in my cheat sheet already. So I love Toronto. On the backside of things, um, Reed Foley is not somebody that scares me. If Villar is leading off, he makes for a good play. Nunez makes for a good play, even though he doesn't have the platoon. Mancini hit another home run. Um, he's in play. So I think a full game stack as well uh, could be something that we can look at. Obviously, I lean Toronto, but Baltimore would be under own. And we're still talking about a pitcher who, you know, hasn't done much in the big leagues. So these are guys that we can attack back with. Jace Peterson, if you need, you know, a cheap, you know, one off. Chris Davis, you won't try to take a flyer on him. I won't hate that as well. Um, going into the second game now, this one's a little bit tougher for me to to kind of peg. I wrote up Juice Smiley as my value play on FanDuel at 7.3. I think he makes a lot of sense. Um, I know you played him last week, I believe, on DraftKings, and you got him early at a very cheap price, and that worked out. Do you feel safe, you know, going with Smiley against a guy like Abreu and Jimenez and Tim Anderson and McCann? Can he get through that lineup in a hitter's park? Um, he can. I mean, the, the issue here is is – Chicago handles right, uh, lefties better than righties, as you For just sure. sort of noticed there. And so that's one thing we have to keep in mind. I see 
Just looking at OPSs there at 705 versus righties in their in their 736 against lefties. So that shows you, I mean, they're just a little bit better against lefties. So that will give you some hesitation, but I still think he's a fine uh, pitcher at that price on both sides. Yeah, the price makes a lot of sense. I, I had some difficulty, so I put him in as my value play on the cheat sheet. But then, you know, at first base, I put in Abreu as my value play, you know, on FanDuel as well, because I think they both make sense for different reasons. You know, Abreu, you know, gets to left-handed pitching. It's a hitter's park. And Smiley's not this overly, you know, uh, impressive pitcher that I'm really worried about. So, you know, I can see it happening both ways. I might have some Smiley shares. I'll probably have some Smiley shares just because I think, you know, the Phillies should win. Do you have the, the courage to play Lopez at all? Because Philly's been, eh, they've been okay, but nothing nothing amazing on the backside, and Lopez has the talent. Do you like Lopez at all or no? No, and because Philly's a lot better at home than they are on the road. Um, yeah, I agree. I also like Bryce Harper's price tag. I think he has a good chance of going deep today. So if I like him and the rest of the Phillies lineup, then it's hard to use Lopez. Gotcha. Yeah, so I kind of agree. I, I think there's better plays than Lopez. If I had to make a choice, uh, you know, on Fandle, for example, 8.8 .8 for Lopez or 7.3 for Smiley, I think Smiley's the easy choice there. Right. Um, now we're going into Cleveland. You got Shane Bieber, who's been, you know, pretty much hot all year, coming in versus Berea. Indians should win this game. You know, Bieber should be in play here. But, you know, the Angels are still yeah. a, strong, a strong lineup, and I got – Verlander as my number one, you know, so the fact that he's only around $800 more, if I'm going to pay up, I pay up and I grab Verlander in a better matchup. So I kind of ruled out Bieber, but I wouldn't be surprised if he goes out there. You know, you saw what happened last night. You know, certain people were on the Angels. I wasn't really one of those, um, full disclosure. But, you know, Angels pretty much got shut down by a worse pitcher. So Bieber is definitely not... Uh, somebody you can avoid here. I wouldn't stack against him. Um, how do you feel about Beaver versus Verlander? Is Verlander a clear-cut choice? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just name recognition alone will tell you that. But more importantly, uh, Seattle has been no hit twice in the last three weeks by multiple <laughs> pitchers. Yeah. Uh, they get Verlander today. Not saying that Verlander will pitch a no-hitter or that's <laughs> even likely, but he has a much better chance of not getting smacked around than Bieber does. Uh, I mean, you can't forget that uh, the Angels have a pair of hitters named Otani and Trout that will be batting two and three right next to each other. Yeah, so I think, you know, for me, this game kind of kind of fizzles out. Um, not a game that I really love stacking, but I do like Lindor. I do like Santana. Um, I think these guys are in two great spots here. So these are two guys that I want to get some shares off if I can. Jose Ramirez has been hitting better as well. So these are all guys that, you know, make a lot of sense to me. And I want to try to get some, you know, get some of them if I can. Um, other than them, um, do you like anybody from the Cleveland side? When I generally do a prelim lineup, and as you know, I've only playing on DK right now. Okay. Um, and on those two, on, on my premium lineup, I didn't have anyone in this game. So nothing really stood out one way or the other. Both pitchers are, are pretty decent. Berea 
I know he disappointed a little bit in his last starts, but he hasn't been getting blown up. And obviously, like you said, Bieber's been very good all year long. So it's hard to really be in love with this game on either side, either offense or defense. Yeah, I think Cleveland comes in. You know, I think I wrote them up on my on my cheat sheet as they got to be as one of the top five, top six stacks. So I, 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 when I look at this early slate, there's not too many games I really want to attack. And I think Cleveland, they've been like kind of like Vladimir Guerrero. You know, when they first started the season, the Indians were losing everybody money. But now this lineup's gotten a little bit stronger. Ramirez is hitting, which is a big upgrade for them. And Berea is still a guy that you can get to. You know, he's not going to last too long in the game. He's got a 6.28 ERA. Um, he has some upside, you know, with strikeout potential every couple games. But he also has those blow-up starts where he let up, you know, seven earned runs and one and two-thirds versus Kansas City. He let up ten earned runs versus Seattle and three and two-thirds. So there's games here where he gets blown up. He just doesn't have it. So I think Cleveland is firmly in play. And I know uh, David Jones, Tenacian Jones, uh, wrote him up as well. So I think the Indians, you know, do make a little bit of sense here. Um, now we're going into what I think is going to be a pitcher's duel. Um, you got Caleb Smith versus Yoni Chirinos. Chirinos comes in at an interesting price. I'm having, you know, this this pocket of $7,000 FanDuel pitchers is where I'm trying to land. And there's three guys, Chirinos being one of them, that I really like. You have Smiley, we just talked about, Chirinos, which we'll talk about now. And then we have Odorizzi coming up in one of the later games, which I like all three of them for different reasons. So I got to figure out which one makes the most sense. Now, Chirinos is going against Miami. Um, he's in line for the win. They're pretty much in the same price points. How do you like Chirinos? Can you can you feel safe throwing Chirinos out there? Do you think he lasts? I know you're playing on DK, but can he last a quality start here? How do you feel about him? Well, first off, nothing is completely safe in DFS, as we all know. But we know that. No, seems to be in as good a spot as, as there can be, really. Miami, we all know, is not a good offensive team. Um, so run protection should be great. But on the other side, you got to look at uh, I know you like how he has a chance for a win, but people uh, maybe they're underestimating how good Caleb Smith has been this season. Um, in Tampa, their offense isn't scoring a million runs and probably won't score that many today either. So, like you said, it's probably a low-scoring pitching duel. And, and in that case, it's it's kind of a crapshoot as compared to who gets the win. But like you said, Chirinos is certainly in line for a quality start. Yeah, I'm hoping if I can get it, this is where I'm looking at it. Smiley probably gets the win, but he has more earned run potential risk. Um, Chirinos... Probably gets the quality start, but the chance of a win drops versus Caleb Smith. And then you got Odorizzi, who pretty much you can lock him in for a win, we're thinking, because um, Minnesota's been ripping the ball. Um, and he should be able to get the quality start. So it's it's a tough equation. But, you know, Odorizzi's probably, you know, not as good as Trinos has been recently. So it's, it's, it's a tough call. I don't know where I'm leaning yet. Like last night, I... Switched all my my thoughts late. I went with Kyle Gibson, and I just felt it, you know, in my gut that you know Gibson was the guy to go with. And I mentioned to everybody in premium chat, you know, within like half an hour, hour before lock, because I just felt that he was the player, and he went out there and pitched a gem for me, which was really good for Fanduel. So I think it could be Trinos. I think it could be Odorizzi. 
but we got to make a choice when we get down to, you know, final lineup, seeing what kind of lineups these teams roll out, you know, might make that a little bit of a difference that makes me play one way or another. Um, now we got Sonny Gray going into Atlanta um, versus Tehran. I don't know if I can get behind either of these two pitchers. You know, both teams have been hitting better. Um, I know Tehran pitches better at home. It's a hitter's park. Sonny Gray's been good all year, but I'm not going against this Atlanta lineup. Uh, it's not somebody that I'm going to pitch. He's priced in a spot where I'd rather get, you know, other guys. I know he's been good. Uh, he's been almost great with a 3.5 ERA, but not a guy that I'm going to attack on this kind of slate. This this game kind of has fade all over it for me, where you have two good enough pitchers, but not great pitchers, and you have one really good offense, but they're going against a pretty good pitcher. So I'm going to hit the avoid button, and I know we got weather in this game too, which makes me dislike the game even more. Um, talk about the weather, and you can tell me, if you like anybody, maybe as a one-off, or you can stand behind any of these pitchers. Well, Atlanta will see showers and thunderstorms around. They've seen this same weather uh, pattern for the last four days or so now. And a couple of days ago, they had that rain shortened game after seven innings. I mean, that's sort of the risk that you run here, that there is a delay risk. There is a, a risk that late in the game, it could start raining, and then they just say, you know, we've had enough, that kind of thing. It is a day game, so that ladder risk is really low, in my opinion. But um, certainly there's a delay risk, so that, that comes into play when you're looking at pitchers. As terms to what you said, I, I like what you're saying. It should be another low-scoring good pitch game. Should be. Now, unlike the Tampa Bay-Miami game, where it's played in an extreme pitcher's park, this is an extreme good park for hitters. So I would be less confident in these pitchers than I am with Tampa Bay and um, Miami. And in my prelim lineup, I, I like one red bat in particular. I, I mean, obviously, I could very well switch, but I like the, this Van Meter guy a lot. He, he should be in the lineup against a righty, um, and he should probably be hitting somewhere around number five. And he's shown some good pop in the, in about the month or so he's been up in the major leagues. Yeah, like a one-off. Votto's been hitting better. You know, people were hating on him all year long. I said, this dude is so consistent. He's going to end up where he ends up every year, and the guy's showing up. Um, so, you know, Votto as a one-off makes sense. I think, you know, if you want to get sneaky, if you really want to get sneaky here, I think Cincinnati could be the sneaky stack of the day. You know, they kind of line up well against Tehran. Um, you got Vado who's going to, you know, work that pitch count. You got Winker leading off. You got Suarez who can hit anybody. Van Meter, who you spoke about. Um, Bernhardt, if you want to grab a cheap, you know, one-off. I think they can be sneaky. Not a team that I'm really going to target, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they go out there and Tehran maybe, you know, has an off day or maybe goes into, you know, a rain delay. And you got, if you get, if you somehow can predict a rain delay early in this game, and Sonny Gray is out of the game early, and we get, you know, a bullpen Cincinnati game, that would be very sneaky as well from the Atlanta side. So, you know, check out Mark's weather blog. Check him out in, in our premium Slack channel. And, Mark, if you got any word that this game's going to delay early and we get Cincinnati's bullpen and everybody sees Sonny Gray pitching and we know that there's going to be a delay mid-game and we probably see the Reds' bullpen, I will definitely jump on some Atlanta stacks because it will be very under own, I think. But um, yeah, let's unfortunately, get... this generally isn't that type of weather pattern, but uh, you never know. 
Yeah, you, you never know. know. Once you get yeah. closer to lock, you let us know in, in our Slack channel. Um, now we got Syndergaard. He was, you know, talked around to be traded. Um, the Mets. I don't know if I'm there yet. You know, I'm a I'm a diehard Met fan. I, you know, they're they're starting to get me to believe a little bit. Um, I don't know if it's too late in the season, but they're winning games. They're winning games late. They're holding games all of a sudden now. So a lot of things are working for them. Um, Syndergaard should come in as a favorite. You know, like probably 140, 150 favorite. Um, Vegas is liking the Pirates to score close to four runs, though, which is kind of surprising uh, the way Syndergaard has been pitching. So he's in a weird spot for me at 10.8. You know, if I, if I want to pay up for pitching, I think I just go to Verlander. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Syndergaard has a, a good game here, but the pricing is what got me off him. And I think the Mets come in as a slightly sneaky stack with Conforto. Cano's been hitting better now. I don't know. I can never get my Mets right, right. you know, as far as stacking against, you know, the opposing pitcher. But uh, maybe you got a better read. I know you're in the, the Pittsburgh area a little bit too. How do you see this game playing out? Because this is a game that I don't really know what to expect from Musgrove. I don't know if Syndergaard is in a good matchup against these Pirates who are sometimes stingy. How do you feel about this game? Well, I think you can look at it probably this way. Pittsburgh is in full uh, post-All-Star game swoon. And the Mets, as much as people have been writing them off all year and basically laughing at how bad they were, uh, they're smack dab in the middle of the NL wildcard contention because of their recent play. So... I don't understand where the four runs from Vegas is coming from Pittsburgh. And I would say that New York should be a heavy favorite. I know they're on the road, but this Pittsburgh team is falling apart and they look to be ready for golfing in October. So from here on out, when I do play MLB DFS, I'm going to be picking on Pittsburgh with the opposing arm. So how do you feel about sitting guard? You know, we have our models up and, I didn't put him into the cheat sheet. I'm having second thoughts, maybe throwing him in there with Verlander up top. Um, how do you feel about Syndergaard? He's coming off good games. He was the talk of, you know, some trade rumors, or maybe there there is a narrative. You know, our models are not really liking him. I guess there's something behind these numbers that, you know, maybe because Pittsburgh only strikes out at 19%, or, you know, they have a little bit of an ISO um, to worry about with some power there. So our models have, as crazy as it sounds, they have a lot of pitchers ahead of Syndergaard. They have, you know, Torino's ahead of him, Smiley ahead of him. I think this matchup is something that, you know, the numbers are not liking. So he's coming up low in our projection models. So, you know, I'm going to speak to our data guys and see, you know, what's really behind here. I, I would have to say it's probably Josh Bell and, you know, some of his numbers that are skewing everything off. But... You know, we got we to gotta really think about this one because I'm having second thoughts of what to do with Syndergaard at 10.8. So Probably the primary reason is that Pittsburgh is much worse against left-handed starters than they are right-handed starters. So that that's probably the biggest factor. They don't have big home and road splits, but they do have big splits when it comes to they're better against righties than lefties. Yeah, and I think Syndergaard, you know, he's... He's probably a little bit better at home than he is away, and there's other little factors here. But, you know, the numbers are not really liking uh, Syndergaard. But that might mean, you know, lower ownership for Syndergaard. He's in a weird spot, like I said, at 10.8, where I think people pay up for Verlander. 
because uh, Mark called a no-hitter out of him today. Just kidding. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's in a weird spot. So I think for a low-ownership GBP play, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, a sneaky Mets stack comes into play as well. But let's talk about Verlander. You know, these Mariners talk about someone who's going golf, and they came out of the, the start of the season like gangbusters. Every Everybody started talking to them as a sleeper pick to make the playoffs, and then they can't win a game after that. Um, Verlander, we don't have to talk much about him. The Mariners stink. Um, they haven't been hitting. They haven't been hitting for a while now. Uh, they got guys like Narviz and Seager in the top of the lineup, guys at the bottom lineup that, you know, most people who play DFS probably never heard of before. Nola is actually a hitter in their lineup. He's not a pitcher. Ryan Court, Keon Broxton. These are not guys that you want to roster in DFS, and this is why Verlander comes in as the top arm of the slate. And we really don't need to speak too much about the, the Astro stack here. If you're not playing Astro stacks for the last couple of weeks, you're not winning money. Springer, Altuve, Bregman, Alvarez, Guerrero, uh, Guriel, Maldonado. This lineup is deep. It's strong. It's powerful. Um, they're going to get to Malone here. So an Astros stack is probably your your one of your top stacks of the day. Mark, anything to add here about Houston being a good baseball team? No, I mean, they're, they're the World Series favorites or the favorites out of the American League uh, to get to the World Series for a reason. They should be huge favorites, as you mentioned today, and there's no way that uh, – very little reason, let me say, that the Verlander shouldn't qualify for a win. Yeah, and, you know, we can talk about one thing here uh, just, you know, real quick. Everybody was talking about Granky being such a huge pickup, and when I saw it, I'm like, all right, they're winning the World Series – and then Aaron Sanchez goes out there that nobody really spoke about, and he pitches a gem, which was, you know, kind of shocking to me. Not shocking. I played him in DFS last night. But, you know, as far as the hoopla goes about picking up this, these pitchers, he, they, they just snuck that one in there without anybody really noticing because he didn't have a great start of the season. But, you know, Houston does something with these pitchers, and don't be shocked if Sanchez is, you know, closing out the World Series in, in Game 4 or something like that, you know? You're right. In uh the Mets were very telling when they had Syndergaard on the market. They came out with a very interesting quote that they were hesitant to trade him to teams that have uh, more advanced analytics and video systems than they do. And that team that they were specifically talking about was Houston. We've seen Houston take arms like Verlander looked like he is at the end of his career with the Tigers. All of a sudden for three consecutive years, he's a Cy Young award contender. Uh, Charlie Morton was a reclamation project with the Pirates. He goes to Houston. Now he's a top-line starter. You, you see this time and time again. Whatever they're doing in Houston, and, and, and Trevor Bauer had even mentioned something about this because he was teammates with Garrett Cole, who was struggling in Pittsburgh, goes to Houston. Suddenly he's best, one of the best uh, pitchers in all of baseball. They're doing they, something they, there. They and, know what's going on there. When, yeah. when Syndergaard rumors came out for Houston, right. I'm like, Dude, if they get Syndergaard, this guy's going to – he's going to be the best pitcher in baseball for like the next three or four years. That's what I was predicting because I know exactly what you're talking about. Houston just – they can take anybody at this point, throw them in there. Look what they're doing with Wade Miley. Wade Miley is dominating, yeah. you know, as well. It, it's crazy what – you know, these are the things that go under under look as far as an organization standpoint. Some organizations, you know, Mets being one of them, can't get out of their own way and then you have organizations like Houston right now that they just do things a little bit differently they got their they got their minor league system pumping out 
Correa's and Alvarez's and everybody else, and then Springer's and Bregman's, and then they have, you know, a revival of, of older guys that they can just slide in there and make them Cy Young Award winners. But interesting point here. Uh, Minnesota Twins, they keep on winning. Their lineup's explosive. They got Odorizzi in the same spot that I played Gibson in uh, last night. Gibson came in like 7% owned in GPPs. He got me almost to the top. You know, I was top 25 um, in one of FanDuel's big contests. Would have been 20K, you know, first place. I just couldn't get there because of these bum Yankees like Aaron Judge and Aaron Hicks who couldn't. You know, stay with Torres, and I had LeMahieu too. You know, it was just they needed to do a little bit. If they did, if Judge and LeMahieu did anything for me last night, compared, you know, I had Torres in the lineup, I had Mabin in the lineup, I had Hoskins in the lineup, and I had Nelson Cruz in that lineup. If I just got anything from Judge or LeMahieu, you know, I would have been sitting in first place or close to it. But um, today is a new day. Odorizzi. Can you get behind Odorizzi here at 7.6? This is my big question of the day. Who's going to win this out? Odorizzi, Chirinos, Wade Miley. How do you rank those three? I first didn't look at Odorizzi because he hasn't pitched as well as uh, he did pre-All-Star break. Um, He's certainly in line for a win and a quality start on FanDuel, but I just think there's other guys – Drew Smiley specifically that I like better who's cheaper than he is. Yeah, on FanDuel, like say the price. To me, the price is is irrelevant on FanDuel. You got, you know, six, seven, six on Odorizzi, seven, nine on Torino's, and then seven, three on Smiley. That's why I'm having such a tough decision here because to me, that that three hundred dollar or six hundred dollar swing one way or another won't really push me into picking one or the other. So I, I have them all priced the same in my head personally, and I'll make the, the, the changes with my bats accordingly. You know, it's easy to get around that $300 or $600 swing. So to me, it's a tough choice. I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking with you, though. I'm kind of ruling out Trinos a little bit um, due to the win factor. But, you know, he's got the softest matchup in, in the pitcher's park. So it makes it tough, you know. So Odorizzi, I think he has the highest win factor, but, you know, Smiley is also in a great spot against these White Sox who strike out a lot. So it's a very tough decision. You know, if I had to make a choice right now, I think something's telling me to go Odorizzi first, probably Smiley second, Trino's third, but it's so close. You know, I'm probably going to split up my ownership in GPPs. If I have time to multi-enter, I'll probably split it up equally across the board because I think it's that close. Um, and then, you know, from a Minnesota standpoint, Keller's been good. Uh, he's not a guy that you really want to uh, target as of late. He's coming off pretty much five good starts in a row. One really great start versus the White Sox. Uh, we dropped 44 Fernal points, but he went into Toronto, pitched seven decently strong innings, went into Atlanta, seven strong innings. Um, six innings versus White Sox, like I said, had a great game. Eight innings versus Detroit, dropped 52 FanDuel points. So, you know, everybody's going to say Minnesota's been, you know, ravaging pitchers, which they have been. But is this the time to maybe get off them a little bit and pump the brakes? Because they're going to come in extremely high-owned because they are named the Twins right now, and everybody knows how good they've been playing. Can you come off them for Keller or no? Yeah, I think you're going to have to make that decision. Like you said, 
Keller's been pretty darn good, so he probably doesn't get blown up like a couple of these pitchers recently against the Twins. So I, I like your philosophy there. Yeah, I still, you know, I look back at my cheat sheet that I made late last night. I still put the Twins number one. So, you know, it's Twins or Astros or 1-1-A. I can't even tell you which one's better. I would probably lean Astros over Twins just because of the matchups a little bit softer. But they're, they're your top two stacks of the day here. Um, we have one game we can't forget about the last game of this early slate. It's Milwaukee-Chicago. Darvish is coming up in some projection models that we're running on our site. Um, due to the high you know, K factor that he has, Milwaukee's been slumping. Can you get behind you Darvish at all? And I don't think the Cubs are going to be really you know, thought about in this game. And they're going against one of the weaker pitchers of the slate, a guy that's not going to last long in this game, um, Adrian Hauser. How do you feel about these Cubbies? Is there any weather to be concerned about in Chicago? And you got the balls to play a little Darvish in your games. No weather to be concerned about. Darvish was my second pitcher after Smiley and DK. And the reason why is you mentioned the Brewers striking out. They're not Obviously, we've known right from the beginning of the season that they're not as good um, on the road as they are at home. And the other factor is, is that Darvish may be the most unlucky pitcher in all of baseball. Of all, I'm looking at his game logs. He's pitched well and almost all the way back to May. Do you know how many times he's won in those starts? He's only won uh, one or two. Yeah, one. Yeah. His record is three and five. It's pretty crazy how in almost every single game he's involved with, he pitches well but just doesn't get a ton of offensive run support. Well, yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking on our on our data models yeah. models here as far as opponent K percentage and Smiley's going against the White Sox at 33 percent, Verlander 27 percent, and then the next guy down is Darvish with Milwaukee striking out 25.5, which is tied with Caleb Smith, and right above Trinos at 25.1. So these are these are teams that strike out. That's why Darvish makes sense on this type of slate and on DK. You know, on a on a two pitcher slate, he he makes you know he makes a lot of sense here. You know, I think he's uh, a guy that you can slide in there. Um, it is slightly risky because it's it's Milwaukee. You know, it's a it's a team that has the talent. So you got a tough choice on DK. You know, with guys around him in that same you know price tag that also makes sense. But there's a reason why the models like him. It's because he has a high K percentage himself, and then he's going against a team that strikes out a lot. So. If you can rack up six, seven Ks, and like you said, he finally gets that win that we've been waiting for, he could be in line for one of the top pitching um, point production out of anybody on this slate. So I like to play as an SB2. I like him in GPPs. He makes some sense. Now, the wind is blowing in a little bit. Maybe that helps a little bit. How do you feel about any of these under-owned, supremely under-owned Cubs bats? I, in my prelim... Baez and Castellanos, I had. Uh, both should be batting top of the order. Baez has the most opposite field power of basically any player in all of baseball. In his last two games, he really has heated up since about a week slump. So I like to ride the hot hand and Baez once he gets going. Castellanos, I think, is going to be one of these guys that the advanced um, statistics guys always loved him because – he always had a very hard, a high, hard hit rate percentage. Uh, 
it never quite corresponded to home runs a lot because he doesn't hit the ball in the air a ton. He's more of a line drive hitter. But I think he's been penciled in as basically the Cubs' number two batter. I think he's in a great spot. And and on DK, he's only $3,900. So I think he's really in a good spot today. Yeah, I think think the part that I like about the Cubs a little bit or the reason why I like the Cubs, I think they go under own. I think a lot of the attention goes to the Twins, the Astros, a um, couple other teams that we mentioned earlier. And I think they come in under own. So that's a part that, you know, when I wrote up the cheat sheet last night, um, I kind of slept on the Cubs here. So I think if I'm doing it, other people are doing it, and they make sense for a sneaky stack. Won't be my top stack, of course. You know, as we mentioned, I like the Astros. I like the Twins. I like the Indians as my... You know, kind of top three stacks that I wrote up in the cheat sheet. You can find this cheat sheet, you know, on WindailySports.com under our premium content. So just to recap, you know, me and Mark like Verlander. Um, we we like Darvish for some sneaky potential. We have a tough decision between Smiley, Chirinos, and Odorizzi, but we like all three of them as well. As far as hitting stacks, I think it's still Twins, Astros, um, up top, I love the Blue Jays and Orioles as well, kind of sneaky. And then the Indians, Phillies, and Cubs, you know, they could be in play. So that's pretty much the slate. Mark, we don't have much weather concerns outside of that one game, correct, in Atlanta? Yeah, it was Atlanta and then somewhere else. Uh, I think it may have been a part of the late game slate. I mean, there's a really small chance in, in Pittsburgh and Cleveland, but, I mean, that's it's tiny. It's, as I said, I think – I would be shocked at a postponement. Just put it that way. All right. So that's the end for the show for Sunday, August 4th. Please check out the website, winddailysports.com. Hope everybody finished off their weekend good and cashes and grab some green screens on FanDuel and DraftKings. So have a great day, Mark. I'll talk to you later, bud. Later. Bye. Thanks.